This is the official Caps Chirp Podcast, proudly a part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Every team, everywhere. What's going on, Caps fans? It's me, the Hockey Troll, and I'm here with another amazing episode of the official Caps Chirp Podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. This Thursday episode, as per tradition, we've got an interview, so lucky you, you don't get to hear me pontificating about some bullshit. It's going to include the Sporty with Corey and Richie podcast. They rep the amazing Arizona Coyotes on the Hockey Podcast Network. Uh, really happy to talk to them. Talked to them before. They're OGs on the network, just like I am. Um, we've talked in, in the past, just haven't been able to reconnect. So, you know, it's going to be really fun to catch up with them and, and talk hockey in Arizona. Uh, so let's pop some tabs and get right into it. Oh, man. So I totally don't have that sound clip ripped up, but... We're just going to roll right in. Holy fuck, the wheels are already falling off. Adding adding to the stream right now. <laughs> wow, that's got to be a first. That's not the first time, but like it's the first time that we just breeze right past it. So, you know, in typical fashion, um, I guess here, <laughs> Corey and Richie from the Sporty with Corey and Richie Podcast. How you doing, guys? <laughs> fuck. Doing top good. Notch, top notch. Mm-hmm. That was embarrassing, but um, again, I told you in the pre-interview, thanks a lot for coming on uh, the podcast. Uh, I know it was kind of short notice. I'm glad you guys could hop on. Um, you know, I think the big thing, funny enough, I, I struggled for years to get one of the Columbus people on for a while because, you know, that the joke for me was there are no columbus blue jackets fans like i didn't realize it and now the network has like three fucking shows three three columbus blue jacket shows um but on the other hand you know i think it's it's easy to make fun of the arizona coyotes you know because for a long time they've been bad um but at the same time you know if you've got to pay your specs to to show to to say like how long the the franchise has lasted in the desert there so what's your guys' take on all that? The ribbing, I guess, uh, especially. Go ahead, Corey. <laughs> well, it's like, where do I even start? Um, well, a lot of it is Coyotes fans are some of the most dedicated fans that I've ever met in my life. Um, I used to work for the team. I worked for the team for a while. I worked in um, their PR department. And so I was around a lot of the the fans, a lot of, people that worked there and it's it's a, it takes a, a lot of dedication you know to be hockey fans in the desert it just is it's it's not something like you know a boston or a minnesota where you grow up playing hockey and like having everyone be the hockey person it was normally very much a you go, you go to school and you have a couple kids that play hockey in there that's kind of a standout thing about them the sure. thing that everyone didn't really realize about that is that it has such a strong community because of that. So going all the way back to, say, uh, um, my husband's brother is nine years older than him. There was only two rinks in the entire uh, greater Phoenix area. So they had to drive 45 minutes 
to go to a like four in the morning practice, but they're willing to do it because, you know, they just love the sport. And that's the thing is once you've gone through that and you've gone through those hardships and you've also been around for the inceptions of things, Richie and I are lucky enough to be around and have like been at the school when ASU went NCAA. Like that's really cool. We get to be part of those traditions that you don't ever get to be a part of if you're from the East coast, because it's always just been that way. So I think the thing that has made Coyotes fans very hardlined um, Coyotes fans and will always fight for the team forever is the fact that it does have that tight knit community and that it has always been kind of a family that way. And the other part of it is simply the fact that we've been here for it. Like everyone was around, um, you know, for those initial whiteouts when the team came, um, you know, from they, when they came from Canada, you know, it was a big shift for that team to come from Canada down to Phoenix and we welcomed them with open arms. They were um, the third team to come. There wasn't even a football team here yet. And so a lot of the history that is hockey in Arizona, we have been able to watch it or have been able to be really close to that experience because a lot of those people are still, it's they're still around. It's not like we're having people who have aged out of, you know, those very uh, formative years of hockey in the desert. So I don't think people really know that history. And Richie and I have done podcasts on it numerous times. We'll have to, um, you know, find which ones where we've talked about them. But it's a very cool and amazing thing to be able to experience history as you're living your life. Absolutely. And I know that we discussed, uh, cause Polly, my, my ex co-host here, he, uh, he started like the hockey club in, in our, our little West Virginia school. And I ended up playing on it for a while. Um, and just, I mean, we didn't even get into like sniffing the ACHA. So, for to take a team from nothing to the NCAA, that's like a at best like a five year process, right? To become come competitive and is just a whole nother story, right? So, uh, really interesting to see or and awesome to to hear that uh, ASU has come so far and hockey has become a thing. Uh, you know, I mean, now that we've got Austin Matthews, that's uh, an Arizona born and bred guy. You know, really awesome stuff to hear. Um, Richie, did you have anything to add to that? I, I will say that's the fun thing about coming on other hockey podcast network shows and other podcasts and other networks is it's really cool. To, I always call it, it's like sharing the gospel of Arizona hockey because <laughs> for most people, because the coverage of the Coyotes is so minimal and so hard to find unless you go super hyper local to use a, a, a journalism term, right? it's really hard to find good coverage of this team, this organization, unless you live here. And so I think for most people who live outside the state, it's hard to understand the culture here if you're not in it and not consuming it all the time. So that's my favorite thing about coming on with you and, and others is, is to kind of explain that to people. And that's a lot of fun to do. And I think the more and more we do it, the more and more people are understand that, listen, we're trying. We've been trying for 25 years to make hockey a thing here. And it's getting there. It, it takes a lot of time, right? It took sure. – 25 plus years for Arizona state to go from ACHA to having their own brand new building Mullen Arena on campus uh, as an NCAA school. So 
it's just an ever evolving process. And the Coyotes are in that, in that next level of the process where we're going to find out in May, uh, whether or not the voters of the city of Tempe are going to approve a brand new hockey specific rink that the Coyotes and their ownership group are going to pay for in full. And I cannot <laughs> say that enough times the Arizona Coyotes have promised to pay for their new rink in full without taxpayer money. Wow. And now we're going to find out that's going to happen in May. So we're kind of in this transition period right now playing at mullet. And in May, if that gets approved and, and I expect it to get approved by the city of Tempe, then that's when like Arizona Coyotes 2.0 can really begin. And we can really start talking about this team as being here for good and really starting to build a culture a franchise and a fan base that is here to stay and that is here to succeed as well. Awesome. That's incredible. That's great news. You know, I, I definitely hope that that happens. I, I, you know, I, and to your point, hockey, I think even in larger markets is so grassroots and you have to grow the sport at the youth level as well. Right. So you have to like have those parents because if you think about people who aren't traditionally hockey families which there's many of especially even me growing up on the east coast like you know hockey was not a main thing where i grew up in virginia like in the dmv uh and you know even when i lived in the midwest in nebraska but the thing is that you know what happens is you get your kid gets hooked on it and then you become a fan just because you have to because your kid's into it and then all of a sudden, you know, you're becoming super fans of whatever pro team uh, does it and, and in your area. And then on top of that, usually the community outreach is great. And it has to be. It has to be for Arizona, especially. You have to be able to have access to the players. They have to be doing things to promote, you know, starting hockey at a young age. It's really very much the um, why baseball in this country was so successful because they targeted, you know, kids getting involved in playing this sport and then by nature you're forced to be in this kind of environment where the sport's always being talked about and it's funny because youth hockey is at an all-time high there's more people playing than ever um all the way up and down and you look at sports that are a little on the wayside like baseball as i had mentioned and their numbers are down uh even though that they had you know it's almost like they rest on their laurels being you know one of the richest leagues in the united states when, when it comes to the mlb so it's super interesting take there man I, I love to hear it and i love to hear that you know you guys you have to if you like hockey in, in arizona you got to be a diehard uh you know i feel like a lot of people think that they're diehard but i think you guys really take it to the next level um you touched on the arena so, you know, it's poor Arizona. When when I heard about this, I was like, man, people are going to have a field day with this on on Twitter. You know, oh, the Yotes can't even get a, a real NHL rink and blah, 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 blah. But as fans, holy fuck, this has to be a dream come true. Yeah, tickets are probably expensive. But at the same time, you're getting to watch a straight up NHL game in a lower bowl only sized rink. I mean, uh, Rich, you said you didn't go to a game yet. Corey, have you, have you actually been in yet? Um, I haven't been into a Coyotes game yet. I am going to very shortly. Um, I've, I'm within like a few weeks, but I, I have been for an ASU game. Uh, Richie and I actually both just went for an ASU game um, last Friday. So we have been in there and we have been able to see what it 
what it's like there. And, and honestly, I think everyone, both of us knew when it came out that it was going to be a complete gong show online. Like we, <laughs> we didn't, you know, expect anything less, but at the same time we were like, okay, so you're going to overreact when you can come and see your favorite player that close to the ice Right. Even and that's the other thing too that was really funny is like I've spent so many Coyotes games sitting at the top of the press area where like all the press PR is and so is Richie. And you're way, way up there. You're up top and you're looking all the way down on everything and it's definitely a, a solid ways away. All of the press and all of the people that came for those first games at Mullet only talked about how great it was to be that close to hockey again. It yeah. It's funny because like I going back to having like my friends who played growing up and then having um, my husband who I started dating in high school, like watching his hockey games to going all the way from high school and to um, him playing ACHA at ASU. I miss that sometimes. I genuinely miss being close enough to the ice that it just it's for those that are true hockey fans, it's a totally different experience being closer down and really just being able to feel the game. It feels faster. It's totally different in that arena gives you that ability to do that on an NHL level. That is super rare. And yeah, you may have to pay 130, 150 bucks, but it's really not that much. Like in, in all reality, like I think I paid 130 bucks for the, seats that i'm gonna have and they're phenomenal yeah and that's the thing is you don't have that opportunity very often so my advice is to suck your shit up and come on down to arizona and watch a fucking game and watch your team really up close for much cheaper than you can do in your own arena so to me it's the the dumbest argument i've ever heard and it's it's such a cool arena to check out yeah, I mean, 130 to 150 for lower bowl seats is really kind of lower end on uh, across the league to get that close. So uh, I'm surprised they're actually that cheap. I and I was and Richie said that and how much they were in the in the pre interview, but uh, I was thinking like two. 250 right so like I'm I'm like damn that's uh that's really good. I'm sure 250 gets you on the glass, but uh you know uh definitely um you know just an awesome environment for the fans you know like obviously not great for the organization you can't you have less seats to 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 sell but at the same time you know having that lower bowl there and i was when i when we played the uh the yotes last week i was like i made sure to tune in and watch most of the game because i wanted to see how they set up the cameras they were clearly closer uh the the view of the ice was much better um Obviously, not as many crowd shots uh, because you know there's not that many to pick from. But uh, I think that uh, that was that was just an awesome uh, for for the fans from the fans' perspective. It's it's got to be great. And I mean, shit, I should probably travel to Arizona to get some golf in and then uh, catch a game for sure. Come on down, come <laughs> on down. I still got a couple months left this of the season. Right, right. Because it's currently like 32 degrees here. Uh, what do you guys, how, how hot is it down there right now? 40. It was, it was, yeah, it was really cold out today. Oh yeah. It was really cold today. We're actually going to hit a, a freeze warning 
tonight, but that isn't going to stay very long. It doesn't ever really stay that way here for too terribly long. It's let's see here tomorrow. It'll be 55, 61, 62. So it'll go back in the sixties. Yeah. That's uh that's really fucking nice. <laughs> I would kill for that weather right now. That's for sure. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, all good stuff, man. I mean, so tell us, I, I mean, I know that uh, you've been slowly releasing uh, episodes and, and, you know, you're saying it, it's because it's it, the, when the team's bad, it's it's tough to talk about them. And unfortunately, the Arizona Coyotes find themselves in a pretty tough position. When the Caps played them, um, it wasn't much of a contest. I think that we, we pretty much ran over them for nothing. But, uh, you know, tell me about the Yotes right now. And, and I mean, I guess what the outlook is, I know there's a lot of buzz about your boy Chikrin, right? Yeah, that's kind of the biggest storyline. I think that Coyotes fans are just waiting to happen at this point is what his future is going to be. For those that don't know, Jacob Chikrin, defenseman for the Coyotes, he over the off season, basically very, very publicly said he didn't want to be here and wanted to be traded because he wanted to play for a contending team and he was injured this off season. So he missed the first, I don't know, probably 15, 20 games of the season. He's been back for about 20 games and he's damn near a point per game player as a defenseman right now. I think he's playing some of the best hockey of his career right now. He is looking like the Jacob Chikrin that in my opinion was a top 10 defensemen in the league. Remember a couple of years ago, I think in that COVID season, he was near the top of the league in terms of goals for a defenseman had over 20, was on a pace to score over 20 goals as a defenseman, which is, which is pretty dang good. So yeah, uh, yeah he's a top, he's a top tier elite player. He's a top four player on a good team and whoever gets him is going to get one heck of a player. He's under contract for a couple more seasons at a really solid cap hit. And Bill Armstrong's price has been really high. I've seen differentiations as to um, what that price is going to end up being. I've seen two firsts in a high-end prospect. I've seen other variations of that. But I expect him to get dealt at the trade deadline. Um, And and if I were a team acquiring him, I would would pay the price in draft picks to acquire him because he is the type of player that you need to win a Stanley Cup, a puck-moving high-scoring defenseman who can get your goals on the power play that can add to your depth, too. I think Jacob Chickram would even be a better player on a more high-quality team because you can play him a little bit more sheltered minutes than he does with the Coyotes because with the Coyotes, he's basically your best defenseman. So he's out there for 25-plus minutes a night, and he's up against the best best players on the ice. And Jacob Chickram's defensive game isn't quite – what his offensive game is. I think he's a really good defensive defenseman too, if he's used the right way. And I think on our Stanley Cup contending team, he can be that. So if I was a team that was in contention, that needed a little bit of defensive depth, I think Jacob Trigger is the perfect opportunity to do that. And I would pay out the butt in terms of draft picks to acquire him. <laughs> so whoever whoever acquires him is going to get a really, really good player. I'm a big fan of Jacob Trigger and always have been. He's a, he's a really good dude. Um, does a lot in the community, and and I'm going to miss him when he's gone. I really wish he, the Coyotes did something to convince him to stick around, but it seems like that's long past. Yeah, Corey, you have anything to add to that? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm still, I'm still laughing at Richie. I 
Richie's enthusiasm. I miss, I, that's one of the things of us not <laughs> podcasting for a while that I genuinely miss is, is hearing that. But yeah, no, in all reality, it's, and I've said this a billion times and I'll probably say it a billion times more, but it's so hard for me when it comes to Chikrin because of the fact that um, as a person who does marketing in my, my, my daytime job, he's such a marketable player from a team aspect. And like, that is one of the things that it, it hurts. It under, I understand why they would want to trade him and be able to get those draft picks. And this whole team right now is basically on the fact of what is going to be in this next year's draft. They're putting so much into that. Um, we're all going to be basically hoping and praying that, um, you know, some miracle happens or there's something that's rigged and the Coyotes get the get to win the draft lottery for once. They right. have horrible luck in it always. Yeah. Um, Richie thought about buying a Bedard jersey just, you know, to be able to <laughs> solidify some mojo in there. Um, <laughs> so I totally understand it. But when you're banking on all of those things, it's hard to sell that to people. It's hard to get uh, players that people can really get behind and be able to um, listen to their stories and be able to really get behind them as players. So I think going forward, you're going to find a lot of those really young players that might want to try and step up. But right now, the one that everyone's kind of able to get behind outside of Clayton Keller is really Jacob Chikrin. So it's hard for me from that aspect. Um, Because when you have a team that's not very good, all you have is the players and and who they are. So um, I agree with Richie on everything, but I still would hate to see him go. Yeah, no, I, I hear you. And I mean, it seems like, unfortunately, the, the Yotes are in just like this perpetually rebuilding phase. Um, you know, I thought Chaika was going to come in and shake things up and really go like by the numbers and get guys who were who are who advanced at Darlings. And then he moved on to go make probably fuck you money somewhere else, which is crazy because he was making fuck you money as an NHL GM to most people that would be like, you know, fuck you money. But you know, I guess the the bag was bigger uh, doing that, doing the analytics firm, and I'm sure that that there that's there's there's a there's a case for either way there. But uh, you know, it's um like what it's tough because the Arizona Coyotes are somewhat of an identityless team. Talkit had them playing somewhat of a defensive system, but I mean, what is what is the future of the product on ice? At least, what's realistic? for for people who don't know who aren't so close to the team like what what can we expect in the next and i'm not saying it has to happen next year obviously the the yotes are are years away from from super competitiveness uh but like is there any inkling as to like what the new gm is gonna do and what what's gonna happen go ahead Corey. okay i was gonna say we, we kind of, Richie and I both had a discussion about this, actually, when we were at the ASU game. There's, um, first of all, with the whole GM thing, to kind of go back to that, obviously, the, the Chaika thing blew up in everyone's faces. But it you kind of have to understand, you would have to go back to Don Maloney, who was before uh, John Chaika, in order to be able to understand the process here. So... In that realm of everything, and there was also an ownership change within the Chaika era, too, just to have right. that level set. But so 
when Maloney was around, Maloney was very old boys club. Everything was, I know this person and he knows that person. And, and it was very run that way. There was a, there were years in there, um, 2011, 2012, for example, very solid run that year. Um, Pacific division champions, they were doing great. Then you start getting into the later years of him doing the same stuff. It really didn't progress well. And, and, the need to be able to revamp this team was really kind of hitting ahead. So then they decided, well, we're going to go and get someone who is new, fresh, has this idea of analytics. And that was, they went from one extreme to the other. It very much like backfired in their faces because a lot of times he chose things that were good on paper. If you go back to any videos that Richie and I had, we often during drafts were like, what the hell are you doing? Because it didn't make any sense. And, you know, we'd given him credit on certain times when it did work out. And it would sometimes they would for like a small amount of time. But the chemistry on the ice just was never there. So you can force something to work. Like, it, it's kind of like someone like that's in a relationship. The sex is good, but you hate each other. Like after a while, it's going to fail. Like you're not going to be able to get through it after a while. You're going to get sick of each other. And that's kind of what happened with all these teams is you saw a nice little spike where they would do well and then they would just top out and then just take a nice dip. And it really kind of became that cycle. So it's really unfortunate that Trike also did what he did on the side because it's, it's not like he was producing really great talent out, out of it. So it was kind of a mess for a while and so once new ownership came in this idea really came across of we need to just cut it like cut it all we need to cut chica we need to just take it all out and then rebuild ground up everyone knew there was no building on what what it had i mean i think once you go into uh the taylor hall type point of things that was when everyone kind of new like we there's no go there's no adding to this to make it any better you have to take it down to the bottom and build the back up and so they started to really do that when it came to this team and i think going forward you're going to see what richie we initially said i think a five-year progression right a a good Mm -hmm. five-year progression of this team by the time initially we thought by the time that this arena was going to be the new one was going to be open it was going to be the time when they were going to be good and you're going to see a team that's going to it's probably this arena is going to be a little bit further out now but you're going to see a very strong very contending team here in in the next couple of years because you're going to be having strong um, players that have been scouted from the bottom up as opposed to just trying to get players that are NHL ready. And I think that's going to make the difference on this team. And I'll stop talking. That was the longest explanation I think I've ever given. Richie, do you want to add to that? No, yeah, you did that perfectly for me because you were just talking about scouting. And that is very important because I was actually listening to an interview with Bill Armstrong, uh, Kyrie GM, earlier today. And he spent a bunch of time explaining how the new ownership alongside Bill Armstrong, when he came in, are basically modeling themselves after what the St. Louis Blues did and how they built their scouting department. And that's what the Coyotes are doing. 
they came in and they are investing heavily in their scouting department and it's paying off. And we're seeing that, I think, right now on the ice with the Coyotes. We're seeing a first-round pick in 2021, um, Dylan Gunther, come in and really start to find himself as an NHL player. Scored the golden goal in the World Junior Championships for Team Canada, right? Yeah. He has, uh, I believe he has six goals this year in the NHL. Been on a little bit of a hot streak lately, too. Scored a goal on Sunday night um, against the Vegas Golden Knights, too. Um, you're seeing it with guys like J.J. Moser, defenseman, was drafted in the second round of that same draft in 2021. And he's already playing big-time minutes. And he was in the promotional campaign for the brand-new jerseys that the Cowboys were putting out, which tells you how important he is to this franchise moving forward. So when Bill Armstrong comes in and invests in the scouting department, that's massive, and it's paying dividends right now, and I think it will continue to pay dividends. And it's pretty clear that Bill Armstrong came in with a plan to build this roster and is sticking to that plan. And I think alongside Andre Torini, who's the head coach of this team, they're starting to build a culture too. They're starting to build a culture that is going to be a Coyotes team that you do not want to play against. And I mentioned the St. Louis Blues. That's what they're trying to do, right? When the Blues won the Stanley Cup in that run, you did not want to play against the, St- against the St. Louis Blues because you knew that they were going to be tough to play against, that they were going to ball out for 60 minutes every night, and you were going to get your ass kicked doing it. And I right. think that's what the Cowboys are trying to build slowly but surely. And they're trying to mix in this younger uh, talent. You know, your Clayton Kellers, who may be a little bit smaller. Your Logan Cooleys, who are a little, little bit smaller. And they're going to try and kind of balance that out with some of your bigger type players, like your Lawson Krauses and your more power forward type players in your bottom six. You can also provide you scoring too. And it's a perfect, perfect balance. And I think Andre Torini is the perfect coach to get the best out of these players. Clayton Keller is having the best season of his career right now. Lawson Kraus, who was a former first-round pick by the Florida Panthers, is on pace to score 30-plus goals this year. That's on crazy. a team that hasn't had a 30-plus goal score in over a decade. <laughs> and the Coyotes are probably going to have two of them this year. And that's that's pretty incredible. So for a team that's as bad as they are, like there's a lot of bright spots to this team this year. And so – it kind of it puts a smile to my face knowing that all right we're we're building in the right direction. That's amazing, you know. It's, I'm glad to hear that it's optimism out there, uh, dude. This is shit that, like you said, I mean, this never gets national coverage. They don't talk about this this vibe on on any of it. It's always just negative shit that comes out uh, on the national press wire for sure. So safe to say, Richie, you you're betting on the Arizona Coyotes. And you know what else you can bet on, Caps fans? It's DraftKings Sportsbook, four NFL teams, two conference championship games, and only a few more shots to win big on the playoffs with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Counting down to Super Bowl 57, new customer can bet just $5 and get 200 in free bets instantly. Not a new customer? You can still feel the conference championship thrills with stepped-up same-game parlays. Take your shot in an even bigger NFL payout and boost your winnings with each leg you add up to 100%. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code THPN. New customers can bet $5 on the conference championships and get 200 in free bets instantly only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. So moving on though, 
uh, a little focus on the Washington Capitals. I know that you, Richie, were super excited to come on and talk about your boy, Darcy Kemper. So, obviously, he's left Arizona, catapulted into a ton of success, Stanley Cup champion now. Uh, the Capitals paid the Stanley Cup premium for him, got him on the team. League leading five shutouts uh, the, so far. Um, you know, uh, tell me a little bit about him. Obviously, Caps Nation is enamored with him. We needed this stability coming from Vitek Vanacek and Ilya Samsonov in a pretty aggressive move from Brian McClellan to ship them both, shipped both tendies, and one was a first, if Samsonov was a first-round draft pick, we just let him walk into the sunset. He did not get an offer and was never, we, we never retained anything for him. So we just let a first-round draft pick walk uh, for that, and, and he's now in Toronto or whatever. Um, but I mean, you know, what's, what's your take on Darcy? Tell us about him. Cause I do you, the Yotes drafted him, right? Yotes did not draft Darcy Kemper. He was okay. acquired in a trade from the LA Kings uh, for uh, my favorite player at the time, Tobias reader. I'll leave that for another show, but yes, they acquired him basically for nothing um, because he was basically a backup and, and really hadn't found himself as an NHL goalie. He was in Minnesota there for a while, went to LA, and then he came to the Coyotes and he just found himself as a as a starting goaltender. And he was one of the best in the league when he was with the Coyotes when he was healthy, right? He was in contention for the Vesna Trophy. And I think if he would have played out that 1920 season, number one, the Coyotes would have made the playoffs outright. They wouldn't have needed to play in that season whatsoever. And number two, Darcy Kemper would have at least gone a top three nomination for that Vezina Trophy that year. That's how good he was playing when he's healthy. And the Colorado Avalanche saw last year, he won a Stanley Cup, right? He wasn't the perfect goaltender by any means, um, but he was exactly what that team needed to get themselves over the hump and win the Stanley Cup. And the crazy thing to me about Darcy is like he's – I don't have his age in front of me, but I believe he's 29, 30 years old, right? He's on the right. back end of his career. And his numbers haven't dipped that yeah. that much. If you look at his numbers, he's still having just as good a season as he did last year and not that much of a drop-off from where he was in Arizona either. He's 32. And he's 32. Yeah, he's getting older and he's still crushing it. And I've seen, I see Caps fans on my timeline from time to time just like crushing him. Like, oh, come on, Darcy, you got to be better. I'm like, what more do you want, right? He's got five shutouts on the year for a 32-year-old. Right. He's that's a, That's tied for the most – in a season in his entire career and we're barely just past the halfway point of the year right um my my friend and i uh who uh is was a former goalie at arizona state her and i came up with the hashtag uh, darcy for vesna years ago and so her and i are both big darcy kemper fans um we were uh we were presidents of the darcy kemper fan club i think <laughs> as far as Coyotes fans are for several years and so we always pump his tires when we get the chance and it makes me happy to see him succeeding. Uh, he's always smiling every time I see him. And uh, and yeah, he was he was he was a good good player to cover here uh, in Arizona. Fun player to watch, and I'm glad he's succeeding in Washington and getting along. Getting to play alongside Alex Ovechkin helps a lot. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, no doubt, no doubt. I mean, he's been great for us, man. I mean, he's been uh, he's he's been steady. Uh, He's a technically sound goalie for how big he is. He relies on his size a lot too, which you know why wouldn't you when you're when you're a huge monster person? But um, 
at the same time, you know, I think that he's really gelled with the locker room. Obviously, he likes playing the system that the Caps play. He likes Laviolette. He has to, considering he's looking at, uh, you know, a career year, if you will, even though I'm sure the peak of his career was winning the Cup. Uh, Corey, do you have anything to add to the to – the, are you also a big Kemper fan? Um, because, again, you know, I think a lot of what, what happened was that he was sheltered. He was hidden in, in Arizona for so long until he started getting Vesna votes, and then people were like, who's Darcy Kemper, you know? Well, so, yeah, one, we loved Darcy here. Um, that was always a big thing for us. Like the, the Darcy uh, Ronta combo was always our favorite thing in the world. Um, injuries were a little rough. Darcy's ability to play through games against Minnesota was rough. Um, <laughs> the year that Richie was talking about, it was actually a Minnesota game that he got injured in. I was at the game. It was atrocious. Um, but I think the biggest problem he faced here is he never had a defense that could ever support him. And that's a, a large part of it. When you're relying very solely on a goaltender all the time, he, he was used to being in high pressure situations because there was no defense to really get him out of these situations. He had to get it, himself out of it essentially. So I think what we did is we put him through the pressure cooker so that way he could come to you guys, do well, and win a Stanley Cup. So you're welcome. Yeah, that's I, we trust me, we would love it. Um, I definitely think that Washington Capitals, when they're then you know, we have all these injuries and now guys are coming back, core players are coming back, and it's really put a little bit of a mix mix up into the chemistry of the team. But I'm hoping they write the ship um, here soon. But Right before Baxter and Wilson came back, I mean, the Washington Capitals were playing some really inspired hockey. I was very surprised and, and honestly super, super positive outlook on how things were going. Uh, primarily, I mean, because they their offense was incredible, just the way that they were getting different looks at the net using their young speedy guys, which is something that the Washington Capitals really haven't had for a long time, um, at least not in major top three top five roles here up front. Um, and then I thought the defense has always been pretty good for the Washington Capitals. It's probably a little underrated uh, when it comes down to it, um, just with the personnel that we have. But, uh, you know, it's it's rough seas ahead for the Caps. We've got to re-sign everyone on the blue line, basically, or, or let them go. And then, uh, you know, when it comes to the forward core, it's an it's almost a revolving door on the lower or in the, on that third line, so who knows what's going to go on? I applaud uh, Brian McClellan for bringing guys in like Dylan Strom, and uh, and uh, you know hey, we know him we right. Know him. That's what I was just going to say. Yeah, you know Dylan Strom too. So like, let's talk about that. I mean, what was he like? In, <laughs> you in, don't uh, want us to talk about that. <laughs> not not fans of Dylan Strom during his stint in in there in, in Zona. Let's I want to hear it. Spill the tea. Do you want to start, Richie? <laughs> yeah, well, here's the thing. So uh, most NHL fans will remember that his draft season was 2015. Now, the top two picks in that draft were are very well-known names in the National Hockey League community. Uh, there's a guy named Connor, there's a guy <laughs> named Jack. Those two went number one and two. And then the other guy who went number four, his name is Mitchell Marner. Uh, <laughs> I think he's having he's playing pretty well, too, at the NHL level. So so uh, John Chica, um, he was like, hey, you know what we need here? You know what we need in Arizona? We need a guy who is a center, who's six foot plus tall because we have we, we have no center depth and 
You know, but you know what he can't do? He can't fucking skate. So let's get the guy who can't fucking skate on our roster. It's waiting for that at NHL level and bring him at the number three overall pick and just completely waste away for two years before they traded him. I don't even remember who they traded him to. Oh, Corey, he was in the Nick Schmaltz trade. That's who he got for that's who he got from Chicago. Yeah. for Dylan Strom. And Nick Schmaltz is actually playing really well with the Coyotes. Him and Clint Keller seem to fit really well together, but no love lost for Dylan Strom. Good for him, though. He had a great game against the Coyotes the other night. Glad he's <laughs> sticking around the NHL level at some point. But, yeah, just I like we'd like to wipe that from our memory as best as we can. <laughs> he's been one of the Caps' best players, for sure. I mean, steady, uh, solid. It's crazy. You know, uh, obviously, development is tough, Uh but you think about it, and he was force-fed minutes. And in the Caps organization, we don't force-feed minutes to anybody because we have too many guys who are going to eat those up. You know, when, you, when you've got a top six like we do, whether they deserve it or not, they're legacy guys, and they, they, they get the nod all the time. So it's, I, would, you know, I always say it's the worst thing to be a, a highly touted forward prospect and land and get drafted by the Washington Capitals because you're not going to sniff an NHL roster for at least two years um, unless you're – Three points a game in the AHL, uh, so I don't know, Corey. What are you? You not a Dylan Dylan Strom fan, huh? I am not. <laughs> um, <laughs> I I'm very much not. I'm on the same side of Richie with it. I'm really glad he developed. That's that's my biggest thing. I'm glad. <laughs> I'm have, very happy for him for developing at some point. Um, he definitely didn't do it here. Um, he definitely needed some help from one of his old line mates, um, back from his, uh, like his junior days. Um, that was kind of what helped Alex him DeBrick, when he was in. Yeah. Thank you. I was about to look it up cause I could not remember his name. Is he even in the NHL anymore? Where is he at? Yeah. Debrinkit's Alex Debrinkit is, he was, he was traded to Ottawa. Yeah. Is right? that where he is now? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it actually kind of worked out really well when he got there. Cause I think there was like a little bit of help that he got. Um, and so it started, kind he kind of started looking better there. Um, but it's still a little bit rocky. So I'm glad that he finally leveled out, you know, good for him. <laughs> Corey and Richie, you guys sound like that, that low key bitter ex. <laughs> oh, you got a new it's job and a, and a hotter girlfriend. Um, I'm glad things worked out for you. <laughs> Yeah, I'm glad things finally worked out for you. Um, <laughs> clearly, you can you couldn't provide for us, but I'm glad you can provide for someone else. <laughs> All right. Well, if I ever if I ever get in contact with Dylan Strom, I'll let him know. There's two fans in Arizona that are fucking bitter, bud. <laughs> <laughs> I think every Coyotes fan is bitter about that. So you can talk to any of us, and we'll all say the same thing. <laughs> All right, fair enough, fair enough. Like, there's an entire state that hates you. Uh, that's, you know, and again, these are things because here's the thing: Dylan Strom, crazy hockey family, right? Got like two brothers. One that's either coming into the NHL or no, he's got. I think there's two other Stroms. There's definitely one, Ryan. Um, and you know, it's interesting to see. And and from all accounts, though, man, because <clears throat> I talked to Sam Pell. At the beginning of the season when Strom came in and either whether it be like him getting kicked to the dirt in, in Arizona and then going to a Chicago Blackhawks team that had a ton of history but in high expectations and low results 
and kind of being in the basement of the league for so long that he she said like Dylan Strome's like an actual like he's a kid right we're Sam and I are both older than him I'm way older than him like 10 years older than him and he is you know coming in wife kid full-grown adult even though he's like 25 years old and very mature uh about his job here and and you know kind of no kid bullshit like he's a, he's a pro all right and and so honestly his time in Arizona had to do, had to have contributed to that you know um and she she you know kicked it over to like in comparison the guys who are just a couple of years younger who are literal man children <laughs> that are just running around the locker room <laughs> like kids don't really know but um but yeah uh she said you know Dylan's pretty uh He's a young guy, but he's got his head on right. So, you know, whatever happened in his career obviously contributed to it. So, again, uh, being the being the new girlfriend over here, we thank you. <laughs> thank you for your service. <laughs> like I, that's all I'm saying is I'm glad that he showed up for someone. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. All right. All right. So, um. I mean, tell me, tell me, I, I'm running out, I'm running out of questions here. I mean, about Arizona and, and whatnot. Um, I guess we could go full fantasy. Do you truly believe that Austin Matthews will eventually come back to Arizona at some point in his career? Richie, I, I, yeah, I've been banging on this drum for like two years now to bring Austin home. And I honestly think it will happen at some point in time. We all want it to happen as soon as he hits free agency in 2024-25, right? Um, will it happen? I think we'll get a very, very good um, kind of, I guess, uh, point. We'll, f- we'll figure out more once we get to July 1st when he can sign his extension with Toronto. And I think, Corey, you, you and I were talking about this the other day, um, me, you and, me, you, and Scotty, and, and – I was like, if they would be the Maple Leafs would be so stupid if they don't back up the Brinks truck to him and say, "Here's a blank check." Yeah, we'll give you whatever you want. Right. And if you're Austin and you look at that and and they do not come to him with that kind of contract, isn't that a slap in the face? Kind of sixty goal score was dealing with some injury issues, from what I understand, from a lot of the early part of this season. Yeah, he's. The face of your franchise, one of the faces of the NHL. He was on the cover of the NHL video game, for goodness sakes. Right. How do you not make him the highest player in the NHL? And, and I mean, so the if market, we get to July 1st right? and he is not. Yeah. If, if we do not, if we get to July 1st and he does not become the highest paid player, I'm sorry. But if I'm Austin Matthews, I'm like, listen, dude, if that's how you're going to treat me, I'm gone. We haven't won a Stanley Cup yet. We're in cap hell. This This core isn't working here. Right. We haven't gotten out of the first round of the NHL playoffs. Maybe that will change this year. Who knows? But at some point, you need to restart your career. And you look at the the Maple Leafs, who um, are 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 kind of at this like point where they're just kind of they they haven't gone anywhere. They're they've been here for three straight years. Right. They're not going upwards like we saw with the Lightning. Right. The Lightning had this trajectory where they had this great young core. And every year they kind of got better and they learned how to win in the playoffs and then they won back-to-back Stanley Cups. 
Colorado, the same thing happened. Great young core, and they couldn't quite get over the hump. And then when they did, Stanley Cup champions. Toronto isn't doing that. And I just don't see that changing. I don't see that culture changing in a direction that Austin Matthews is like, listen, if I'm not going to win a Stanley Cup here, why am I staying? Where Coyotes are the complete opposite. They're building this young core and they got a lot of cap space. I think this Alex Murillo has already proven he's willing to spend to the cap. Okay. He did that when he first came in here and acquired Taylor Hall, acquired Phil Kessel. The Coyotes were a cap team. People forget about that. <laughs> so you're looking at the Coyotes. So I think starting next year, I think we'll start to improve. Yeah. And I mean, the purse strings and, have and to be loosening. Be- they're loosening slowly the purse strings, I'm sure, especially if they're going to be doing this rebuild through the draft. I mean, obviously, you're going to need those young guys. Uh, and I mean, if you look back in history, like every NHL team has that like standout, really low paid person, whether it be some fourth liner that goes on a heater and scores 20 points in the in the playoffs, or if it's like a, a young RFA who got who who has been playing very well and has his his coming out season during their Stanley Cup run. I mean, this is this is a thing like the Washington Capitals had a couple. We had, you know, Verona, Burakovsky. We had these guys that were young and unproven and really just turned it on in the playoffs and through that season had career seasons and then into the playoffs. They were all underpaid. Same with like DSP and our fourth line with Jay Beagle, you know, all these guys that weren't making you know, the tens of millions of dollars a year, they had to come out and perform like they were at least. So, you know, I totally agree. I mean, you're going to need that veteran leadership no matter how well you draft. You know, you could draft for three years in a row, the number one overall best. I mean, even after the dust settles could still be the best draft pick of that season. Even looking back, Um, you're still going to need that veteranship. And I mean, if things are going to go the way that you're saying, and in five years, you know, you lock in Matthews for a term halfway through that contract. He's winning a cup, maybe two. I mean, to me, that sounds like fucking completely off the rails, batshit crazy. Arizona winning two cups in, eight, in the next eight years. But, <laughs> but you know, as optimistic as you are, Richie, I'm buying in. I'm buying in now. Like, you've sold me on it. So, I mean, if, if that is the plan. See, this is this. We have a, yeah, we have a vision here. We have a vision. And. Real quick, I want to see if I can if I can share this uh, with the people who are who are watching us right now. Right. Um, check this out as we look ahead to the future. Let's see if y'all can see this. This is um, the rendering. If you want to bring that up there, yeah, I'll bring it up. Um, that is the rendering of what the new Tempe Arena District is supposed to look like. Wow. Um, if it does indeed and get approved in May. And we're looking at about a three-year timeline from approval to um, maybe being the finished product. So that's what it's going to look like in three to three and a half years. Dude, that looks which, sick. I could, uh, Right now, I'm just imagining yeah. like the away game playoff viewing parties in that little square that they have. Uh, I could see myself definitely getting blackout in that situation for sure. <laughs> Here's the thing. Here's the thing. It's going to be too. If it's the playoffs and it's the middle of June, it's going to be too fucking hot to do that. (laughs) Well, hopefully there's a lot of shade. And dude, so I told you I lived in Tucson for seven years when I was a kid. Um, And uh, like, I remember what we had in in, on the we had a pool, of course, like everybody, it seems like in Arizona. (laughs) But um, 
we we had uh, these like misters that we called them that went around our deck that just you turned them on at the like they plugged into the hose and they literally just misted water on you so that you didn't die because uh, I definitely remember being insanely hot there uh, and we were talking about last time you were on like it would be like old late like the the news headline in Tucson uh, on the morning news would be like la- la- be careful out there last yesterday. Um, somebody fell like an old lady fell down on the sidewalk and like got third degree burns all over her body. <laughs> like Jesus Christ, Arizona doesn't fuck around. <clears throat> so yeah, the heat, the desert heat is real folks. Let's just say that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't know, Corey, do you have anything about Austin Matthews? Is that kind of like the fantasy or, or are you less, less pressed about it? First of all, it's very adorable to hear you describe misters. Yeah, we have misters everywhere, <laughs> okay, all the time. Yeah. Right, right. So you could go to Mill. There's a bar that's like right off of where that uh, the arena is going to be, and you can go and um, all all those bars will have misters going like full strength. You can just <laughs> run through them the entire time. But yeah, no. Um, the whole goal of everything is that is the dream to have the new arena, have the new team, have Austin Matthews back here, and really, like, just can you imagine the selling point of all of it? And even on top of it, they've been promised all sorts of, like, they've been promised a draft here and all sorts of things. So it's like, can you imagine just how perfect that would be? And they always like talk about conspiracies and things rigged in the NHL. You know what? I would be okay if all of this was rigged and that's how this whole thing came out. Because it would be the best storyline ever. And uh, I feel like it would bring such a great fandom. Think about it. You have all of these expansion teams that are all on the West Coast. And then you have this whole thing of hockey in the desert us in Vegas, you know, between mm-hmm. their all their hype and everything, and then you bring the hype here. It just it would work out perfectly, and so it needs to happen. I don't know what we need to do if there's some like random little like voodoo doll that we can put on. You know what? We should just invite Drake to every single Maple Leaf game <laughs> from here on out, and then. Um, Aren't they friends, him and Bieber and all that? You know, invite yeah. all of them right. and just tell them to come to every game so they lose all the time. <laughs> and so he has no choice but to come back home. Exactly. Hey, you know, it does sound like a blood sacrifice is, is needed to get this deal done. But, you know, Arizona is not any stranger to see and I mean, any West Coast team, especially. And, you know, for Caps fans who've never lived on the West Coast or really don't pay attention because it's easy not to. If you look at the history of hockey, uh, and we're talking about we, – we talked about it at the top of the show, so it's very fitting that towards the end of the show we're going full circle – is that the grassroots movement of hockey going west is well-documented and a proven success story. Hockey would not be in the West Coast as prevalent as it is if the LA Kings did not have Wayne Gretzky, and then Gretzky went to Arizona as well and then coached Arizona, right? Um, I believe Gretzky still has property in Zona. He probably like spins his uh, winners and shit out there from what I understand. But, you know, you look at the star power moving down 
to a, a, a market that is considered non-traditional and they instantly, you know, whether it be directives by the NHL or whether they're just good guys themselves, start reaching out to communities and imagine your your team who has been, you know, primarily the farm team for the rest of the NHL as it is now, right? Like Kemper going on to win cups. You got players that you've just jettisoned who've gone on to have good careers. Now, finally, a star in their prime is coming to Arizona or to the West Coast in general. You know, I think LA and San Jose, they've seen that that what impact that has. And Arizona to some degree has too. So this is incredibly well documented. Um as much as like Twitter and the and the internet interwebs likes to hate on Arizona, I think that getting Austin Matthews out of the hellscape that is Toronto and getting him to a West Coast team, to an expansion team, may be the best thing to grow hockey overall uh, nationwide, to be completely honest, now that we're we're unpacking this all here. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, I, I'm for it. Fuck it. I don't like the Maple Leafs. You know, I have no love for them. Uh, I don't give a shit. <laughs> you know, they're, they're, they might as well be a poverty franchise as well, you know, so... Because you're right, Richie. They haven't done anything with an embarrassment of riches and that, that they've had and they've bought their team and, and drafted through their team um, and haven't been able to get it done. So, hey, Austin Matthews to Arizona. Hey, fuck it. I'm for it. Let's just let's just go crazy. You know, let's just see what happens. I'm, I'm, I'm with you there. You wouldn't believe and how many. It... Sorry, you can go first, Richie. Yeah, I was just going to say it's not unprecedented unprecedented for a player who has spent a long time with one franchise leave to go back home. Right. John Tavares did it very, very famously, right, with his uh, Maple Leafs little bed sheets and the Star Wars poster in the background, right? Yeah. Why can't Austin Matthews do the same exact thing? Exactly. Corey, what were yeah, you going to say? Yeah, and to your, your other point about um... – players coming here and like Gretzky coming here and stuff like that. Um, Shane Doan moved with the team as they came here to Arizona, stayed here in Arizona, coached youth hockey, coached his own son's team here in Arizona, did all of the youth stuff and was always constantly around the community. And then now his son is the captain of ASU drafted by the Coyotes while Shane Doan works for the Coyotes. And you wouldn't believe how many players like old NHL players decided to stay here. Like they, there's so many of them. I was working the day that they put Don into the ring of honor. And I'm talking to so many of them that are like, Oh yeah, well my kids go in ASU too. And I, and I live here and like, you know, and they would coach youth teams here or they would um, be a part of the, those things. Like we have the thing that everyone doesn't understand is Scottsdale. A lot of very wealthy players that played a bunch of different sports end mm-hmm. up in Scottsdale because they just really like it. So it actually is a lot more of a, a mecca for them than, you, than you'd think. And then one person that some people love, some people hate, but um, I, I've, I've met him and I, I really like him as a person, Paul Bissonette, yeah. huge advocate for Arizona. He's, you know, he's on the broadcast now. He was one of those guys that, like, literally, he was, you know, um, fourth line 
the, a true enforcer of his days and when those were still those days. And he tells that journey of it and then also is a massive advocate for the Coyotes and all that. It's not like he's from here. It's not like he owes the state anything. Right. He does it because he loves it here and he believes in hockey being in the state. And he went through a whole like depression phase when he was an enforcer. So it wasn't always the easiest time he had here with the Coyotes, but he still goes out and advocates for them all the time. And we always joke that he is one of the best like marketing schemes or one of the best like PR reps for the team because like he uses his platform and constantly goes and pushes the team. So I think a lot of people underestimate those things of how many people that are, are die hard people that are, you know, born Canadian and are would never think that it would ever work here. Love it here and would love to just see it all succeed here. Yeah, I mean, uh, my time in Arizona was mental. You know, when I when I think about core imagery, it's a devastatingly beautiful place in a way that you wouldn't consider because it's a desert, and then you have the mountains in the, in the horizon. At least in Tucson, you did that were snow capped. Uh, just craziness out there. Plus there's that like kind of hardcore vibe that like, you're just out here surviving in like 110 degree weather, which is, which is pretty crazy uh, in itself. You know, little ladies are falling and getting third degree burns and dying on the sidewalk, you know? So like that type of vibe as well, the cowboy vibe for sure. Um, I, I I don't have much bad to say about Arizona. And I mean, I've gotten really obsessed with golf the past three years, um, as I'm sure all of our listeners are tired of hearing about, but I mean, golf year round in Arizona, incredible courses that look amazing. Uh, you know, honestly, uh, I know how short water is in, in, in the area, but like, I don't care, it, you know, no, take people's drinking water away to get these golf courses, you know, nice and lush. But... Oh, they do in Scottsdale. They yeah. genuinely do. <laughs> there's an air, there's a, a community that's just outside of like Scottsdale limits. They're yeah. literally telling them we can't give you water anymore. Scott sells in a drought, but they live right next to a golf course. The golf course gets all the water. They're fine Just with it that way. On. Yeah, that's so they literally take people's drinking water to to make sure the golf courses survive. <laughs> I'll say this, man. I think that because I have obviously everything in Appalachia grows like wildfire. So like I'm out here in summer and I'm like. God damn it. I have to clean, I have to cut the grass like twice a month, which is, it's still not as much as I should. And I get so pissed in my tiny light yard and having to, having to cut grass. Like I'd be fine with it. I'd be fine with it. Not cutting grass. And I honestly think that the only reason that grass should be alive is for golf courses to be completely honest. Such a worthless plant to be complete. Let's be real. Like you can't eat it. Uh, you know, it's, it's just so, so worthless, but, um, (laughs) only good, only, only good part is that it's on a golf course. Um, so, and you know, we're not, we're no strangers. Uh, I'm no stranger to Paul Bissonette. He played here in Wheeling, uh, big Wheeling guy, you know, liked it here. Uh, you know, there's still stories of dates with, with Paul Bissonette, uh, you know, (laughs) some I'll, I'll randomly come across somebody who's like, dude, I went on a date with Paul Bissonette back in the day uh, when he was in Wheeling. So, yeah, I mean, crazy stuff is an A friend of mine dated him for a little while, yeah. So <laughs> I definitely know those stories. Right. I know him from work, and I know him from a friend dating him as well. <laughs> yeah, so, 
the spit and chicklets uh stories are 100 percent true about how how paul's crooked nose was definitely the lady killer and his goofy ears i mean the, the ladies did dig him for sure uh as as was one of those guys so good for him um i love it and i've just got one last question it's probably a brief one you know because you guys have had the most experience with rick tockett uh gambling ring aficionado rick tockett <laughs> uh, <laughs> and so if you haven't heard Vancouver kicked out ex-cap uh, and most beloved coach Bruce Boudreaux, who was actually a really good fit for that team. But dumbass Jim Rutherford is a dumbass uh, and he wanted him out and whatever bullshit drama happened. All that to say, Bruce Boudreaux is now out on his ass, unfortunately. And Rick Tockett was their replacement. Some guy who's going to come in and put structure into the team. Now, the, the results are obvious. When Tockett came in, had a couple years of floundering around and figuring his shit out, but then got the Yotes to a first-round exit, which in that era, in that standard, was really good. The The Coyotes looked like they were on the upward trajectory that we talked about earlier in the episode, Richie. Can you just give me like a brief rundown? Is like, just what do you guys think of Rick Tockett? Uh, I think Rick Tockett, I saw a lot of Coyotes fans on Twitter over the last couple of days, and I think, I think they've forgotten how bad those rosters were that Rick Tockett was dealing with, okay? Yeah. Go back and look at those rosters and give me another coach that would have gotten more out of those rosters than Rick Tockett. I, I'd find it hard-pressed to do that. Um, and I think he also got a bad rap because his goaltenders were hurt. That was, mm-hmm. the, that was the A maker. That was the money maker for those teams, and they were hurt so flipping often – like I mentioned earlier, that it cost them a chance to make the playoffs. Uh, 2018-2019, the year before the pandemic year, they missed the playoffs by four points. Right. Colorado beat them out. Okay. They, Corey and I remember this very, very, I think very, very well, right? When they, I believe they, they lost to the Kings to knock them out of the playoff race in the last week of the season. And Rick Tockett was the head coach of that team. Okay. So I think Rick Tockett gets a bad rap. I, I actually, I covered Rick uh, during the seasons he was here. I was in a lot of press conferences with him, had a chance to talk to him a lot of occasions. And I, I, I thought he was a really insightful guy. I thought he was a really, he was really good to us in the media. So I appreciated that. So um, I don't have anything bad to say about Rick Tockett. Um, I did not know about his Twitter like history, which was really funny to find out about the other day. Um, that was never <laughs> talked about here. I didn't go through his likes because he wasn't active on like he he had his Twitter account when he was head coach of the Coyotes. I know he'd like to like he when he, he deleted his account when he took over the Canucks and was like, sorry, I'm a head coach now. Can't have Twitter. Yeah, Twitter was with the Coyotes. He just didn't use it. So I don't have anything bad to say about Rick Talk. He, he he did a fine job for what he had at his disposal here, in my opinion. Fair enough. Corey, anything to add? I I didn't know about his like, so I'm I'm looking it up at the moment. Yeah, I'm I'm not um, sure what that's about either. What do you mean? What's what is? I'm glad I'm not the only dumbass. I didn't want to say it. What what did he like like porn or something? Well, yeah, basically he would follow a lot of porn stars and <laughs> and he would uh, yeah just you can go, you can go look it up, folks, if you want to get if you want to look it up, it's it's out there. But um, yeah, that was trending on hockey Twitter here for the last couple of days. It was pretty funny. 
Love it. Love it. Love Rick Tockett's degenerate behavior because obviously back in the day when he was playing, he was part of that big gambling (laughs) ring. He's a degenerate gambler, obviously, and then degenerate porn consumer. So love it. Love it. Good for him. Love that about Rick Tockett. (laughs) That was the big thing when he got hired was like he had that reputation and then, you know, how is he going to be coming back in here and how is, you know, um, you know, people were always like talking about like when you're addicted and you come back to like some like the place where you you, you fell into your addiction and stuff like that. So that was like a big talk when he first came. Um, like Richie said, I I liked when he was here. I think he did a great job here. I uh, I always liked him from that same side of working with him as well. He was always a, a great guy, nice guy. There's not really anyone within the organization that I know of, at least, that really doesn't like him. Everyone says great things about him. Um, there is one thing, though, Richie. Richie, what did we talk about player-wise that is going to be quite fun for him? Oh, yes. Um, God bless the Vancouver Canucks for deciding to do this, <laughs> but it was reported publicly that Oliver Ekman-Larsen and Rick Tockett did not have a good working relationship yeah. whatsoever. <laughs> That's part of the reason why Oliver Ekman-Larsen's career declined under the coaching of Rick Tockett. So the fact that those two are back together in the same locker room is just chef's kiss, really. <laughs> chef's kiss. Good stuff. Awesome, awesome. All right, well, do you guys have anything for me? You guys want to talk about anything else? Or I mean, we're, we're we've done an hour. If not, that's, uh, okay. that's a great, no, I don't, yeah, I don't, uh, I don't, I don't got anything else. I mean, yeah, we're okay. good. We can talk about, Wait. Corey, do you know, did you notice my new little, I got my, my arrow poster up here behind me. We can talk about that. <laughs> uh, what I'm really curious about is if, um, if you haven't been drinking beers yeah. and you've just been talking, how yeah. have you been able to stay like alive at this point because back in the day when we were doing all of the um after hours and everything it was like ripping people apart and and chugging down beer was how you survived like how have you been without us i just i I feel like this has been too long i need this explanation here i know i guess i've been kind of i a bit of a growing up phase no no that's not it it's it's mostly just uh (laughs) i have to like chug one and then get going and then like i've anymore in the monday episodes you're you i I literally just say like hold on i need to drink my beer and like and then it's just like me drinking a beer for like 10 seconds and then i get back into talking like i i literally had to take beer breaks for sure um but you know dude back at it's i can't believe you brought up the the thpn after hours during covid times jesus christ what a throwback that was so fun um just an awesome time just to come in and and witness mayhem on a live stream uh or on a on a on a video uh i loved it um but yeah so you know i'm yeah i'm I'm making i'm making steps towards it but you know i mean drinking beer is fun so i'm not you know i'm not gonna totally cut it out uh i'd like to say that i'm not as sloppy towards end of recording because sometimes me and polly would get to a point where it was just like Oh man. One time I had to like, I was drinking this like really shitty bourbon and I had to like cut the episode short cause I had to go like fucking puke. It was so bad. <laughs> uh, 
God, now I'm just sound like an alcoholic degenerate too. Just like talk it and his gambling and his porn stars. But, <laughs> but yeah, so, you know, I mean, I still get in it at beer league. I still play beer league and, and, you know, roll my roller hockey team just tripled championships, like a three peat. So, you know, there's been obviously lots of drinks in the parking lot after that. Um, we actually dominated so bad that we had to get moved up to like the second from last league. You know, obviously we had some players that were playing down, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's still, don't worry, Corey, the alcohol consumption is, is still alive and well outside the podcast and honestly during it. And of course I always open the show with popping tabs, except for this one <laughs> where I didn't have it teed up stupidly. So yeah, that's on me. <laughs> Well, that's good. I'm glad that you're you're still hanging in there because, yeah, no, uh, back on those after hours, everyone was a degenerate. <laughs> those were the most interesting things that I think it was genuinely some of the strangest conversations I have ever been in in my entire life. <laughs> it was. It was. I mean, that's one thing that I miss about old THPN and I, it's crazy to think that it's old THPN because THPN only been around for a few years, but like in the onset, man, we were just so full of piss and vinegar to go out and create as much content as possible. And we got to network with, I mean, it was a built in massive network of any of every single team in the NHL. Um, it's really helped me with like the content creation part and just like building relationships. You know, I've met, um, some hosts in person. I met Bayou Benders when I was in New Orleans this last year. Um, I've met Grumpy Old Man uh, from uh, from the Islanders Never Say Die podcast. He bought dinner for me. Uh, it was. Uh, I mean, it's been a awesome. I mean, I've I've truly I truly feel like the people on the network that I've reached out to and that we've interacted with, like we're friends. Like if you guys were coming to Wheeling. I'd be like, yo, if you guys need a place to stay, let me know. Like, you know, let's go out to dinner. Let's get some drinks. You know, it's it's a it's it's not just chronically online here with us, which is cool because it started as just an online community. You know. Yeah, it, and then, it, yeah, there's not there's not a lot of us left over from the uh, debut season either. It's 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 like you, Corey, and I, and then maybe one or two others, and that's it. It was just just kind of crazy. Yeah, like uh, Neil and the Broadway Boys are still around. Uh, Andy and, and and JP there, uh, James, and then uh, yeah, but and the and the Islanders as well. But yeah, I mean, it's been a, it's a good rotation. You know, people do go on to do different things. Tip the Iceberg Boys are out uh, with Sports Illustrated, absolutely murdering it. So good for them. Uh, I just uh, it's it's cool to see how many people have like gone on to like you know, make this their full-time job, which was crazy because this is just like a bunch of fans talking hockey in the beginning. Cool stuff. Really cool stuff. Proud to be a part of it to say the least. Oh, so anyways, Amen. yeah. So, uh, at this point, you know, tell everybody where they can find the show, where they can find you individually. And, you know, I know Richie, you're, you're in the, the media. Um, so, you know, where they can find your writings and stuff if, if you're still writing and whatnot. So, you know, go ahead and plug it, plug away. Uh, yeah. So I have to look up our Twitter handle because it's been a while since I've had to do this, Corey. So I don't, Oh my I, gosh. It's at Corey <laughs> underscore Richie show. This was Thank your you. job yes. when we used to do these all the time. <laughs> That's why her I name's know, first. Nicole, with two E's, as it says underneath right here. And then um, Richie is, uh, is it at rflores91? 
correct? Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. that's what I thought. Just double checking. Um, and then you can listen. Of course, we are sporty with Corey and Richie. We uh, haven't been putting out any recently. We're, we're going to try to, um, but we did do all of the update stuff with all of the you know the arena and when the town hall happened and all of that so we there are some out there for everyone to listen to we've done plenty on the history of hockey in the state so um definitely listen to any of those if you feel like it as well but um thank you for having us on it's, it's really cool to be doing this again we just have been living some crazy lives recently and haven't had the time to. So it's cool to be back in the game. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and Richie, that's why, that's why Corey's name's first in all of the, all of the stuff, man. You're just, what you're just a passenger here, bud. <laughs> ain't, ain't that the truth. I'm just, a, I'm just a lackey around here. Corey came up with a name for the show. She came up with the idea for the show. I'm just along for the ride at this point, you know, and as we've been, what? Corey, we started the show. We started uh, almost, I think like five and a half years ago now is how long we've been around in some way, shape or form. Cause remember we were talking about the, the diamondbacks being in the playoffs when we first started the show and like it's old, old iteration when we first were starting to put uh, our show up on YouTube. That's how old the show is. And that was back in 2017. Crazy. crazy. Yeah. It, it's very old. And I'm sure we never told you the story. Did we ever tell you the story of how we actually came up with that name? No, no. Tell us, tell us. We so Richie and I graduated from journalism school. I was working in baseball and working in hockey at the same time. And so I had a lot of stuff that I was allowed to say and a lot of things that I wasn't allowed to say, but I had a lot of opinions. So um, we decided that we were going to just make a make a show. A friend of ours was in film school and needed uh, stuff for his reel. So he was like, I'll shoot it. And nice. so it was literally um, just at, it was at my husband's uh, college graduation party that we were like sitting there drinking, came up with the idea. And then fast forward to um, Cinco de Mayo. <laughs> we go out for Cinco de Mayo. Um, we are very drunk and we're coming up with names for this. And um, of course my husband's upstairs, but uh because he, he would remember what song that it went with. Um, but we were at a Mexican food restaurant, super drunk, and they decided to do Sporty with Corey because it rhymed. So that's why my name goes first. Oh, okay. and, um, and it went along with a song that was playing. And then they just threw Richie's name on the end of it. But that's how it started like going. Nice. Um and so that is how we came to be. So we started out with a bunch of people always ask us because they're always like, you guys cover the Coyotes. Well, we covered all Arizona sports in the beginning. And so that's why it was sporty. And then the name is really just a, a representation of how goofy we are and our friends are. And we just kind of stayed with it ever since then. That's good shit. See, you know, uh, alcohol, it, it helps. It helps, folks. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we were drunks back then. We were, yeah. we were we were drunks back then <laughs> in our younger days. Good stuff. Good stuff. Awesome. All right. Well, I think we should cut it here. 
guys, it's been an amazing time talking to you. Always, always so much fun. Like I always like to keep it light on this show and like, you know, just have our hosts kind of bullshit and, and we fill up hours and hours of tape doing it. So I'm so happy to be reconnecting with you guys. I, I hope to hear some more episodes coming out on THPN here soon. With the Chaika news and Caps fans, you know, definitely give them a follow. Uh, if you're interested in, in hockey out west and really uh, emerging markets, if you will, of of the NHL, it's definitely interesting uh, little little foray into something that we're not used to. So until next time, guys, again, thanks a lot. It is Hockey Troll, Corey, and Richie. Corey first, of course. Uh, signing off. Until next time. Until Monday, Caps fans, I'll see you then. Take care. Hey Caps fans, thanks for tuning in to the official Caps Chirp Podcast, repping the greatest team in the NHL. Follow me, the Hockey Troll, at Hockey Trolling on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And follow the show's handle, at Caps Chirp, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Special thanks to the Hockey Podcast Network, at HockeyPodNet on social, and TheHockeyPodcastNetwork.com. The Hockey Podcast Network, every team, everywhere. Check them out, or we're not friends anymore.